Hello, everyone. It's me, Chelsea Fagan, founder and CEO of The Financial Diet and person who loves to talk about money. And today we are talking about a very specific part of money, which is earning more of it. Now, we talk a lot on the channel about how when it comes to things like saving, investing, budgeting, etc., there's really no magic formula, right? It's either you spend less or you bring in more. And when it comes to spending less, that is something that is very important for all of us to do. We should always be thinking about the types of purchases we're making that aren't serving us, things that we could probably renegotiate or get for cheaper, or things that just should be cut out of our budget entirely. We need to be a lot more thoughtful no matter where we are about the ways in which we're spending our money. But it's also very important that we realize that at a certain point, there's only so much you can cut out. And even if you could technically cut out more from your spending, at a certain point, you really probably don't want to and or shouldn't have to. Much personal finance content is focused around the sort of hyper-restrictive angle. But for many people, especially people who are doing things like working to pay off debt or saving to invest more aggressively, are going to need at some point to bring in more. Similarly, in an economy that is increasingly volatile when it comes to things like employment and labor, having more control over your different streams of income, leveraging and monetizing different skills, and diversifying the things that you can bring to any kind of industry are increasingly important. For most people, at some point, diversifying their income is going to be something that they want or need to do. And for many of us, myself included, that will come in the form of some kind of a side hustle. But when we talk about side hustling, and we've done plenty of content on it, we'll link you in the description and show notes to some of our videos and podcasts on the topic. Many people are left thinking, well, how? Especially if I feel like I don't have a lot of time or I'm pretty low income or I'm dealing with a mountain of debt. Not just from the practicals of like, what job should I take, but also how do I reframe my thinking? How do I not get burned out? How do I deal with the mental health aspect of it all? My guest today is someone who is an expert on all of these things and has actually gotten themselves out of an enormous amount of debt in large part through diversifying income in just that way. And before we get started, I want to thank Calm, the number one mental wellness app and one of my personal favorite apps for supporting the financial confessions. Calm is offering you an exclusive offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com TFC. My guest today is Daniela Flores. And just for a little context, some of the side hustles they've done over the years, clothes reselling, live painting and sold paintings, freelance web developer, brand ambassador, snowplower, waitress, pet sitter, mystery shopper, online research study participant, blogger slash content creator, freelance writer, freelance designer, consultant, coach, reseller, such as thrift store flipping, eBay, Poshmark, Mercari, and more, Etsy seller, affiliate marketing, course instructor, and speaker, and founder of I Like to Dabble. Welcome, Daniela. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for being here. Um, so I know I teased a little bit about who you are, but can you share um, more about yourself and specifically around your experience with side hustling and diversifying your income? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Daniela Flores, I'll Chelsea kind of alluded to. Hi. I am the founder of ILikeToDabble.com, which I created back in 2017 between back-to-back -back layoffs, but it wasn't my first side hustle at all. Uh, I had actually started side hustling per se. When I was a teenager in high school, I, you know, had started working my job at the movie theater. I knew what you should do with money, you know, save it, put it away for your goals and yada, yada, yada. You know, people tell you that. Um, but at 16, 17 years old, that it sounded like nothing to me. I, I did not care. 
So um, I did have a lot of problems with like impulsivity and other mental health issues at the time that did play into this, but I would spend all of my paycheck and I would actually make up the difference with my side hustles. It was kind of a toxic cycle I got stuck into for a while um, until I was actually started freelance web development. Um, at the time I'd gotten fired from my first job out of college. And one of my past clients that I worked with, which weren't my past clients, they were their past clients, but they had no longer been working with them either. They reached out to me and that was kind of what introduced me to freelancing and this whole world of online side hustles. So my first side hustle before this, by the way, was reselling clothes. I started by selling my own things. And then I went to thrift shops to gather things to resell at thrift shops, other thrift shops, or on eBay and Craigslist back in the day when Craigslist was more of a thing. Um, so yeah, from there, I went into freelancing. I, at the time it was solely tech related freelancing because of my background in my career with web development and software engineering. And I got pretty burned out from that. <laughs> and right now I'm working on transitioning my entire career um, because of side hustles. You mentioned that this really kicked off um, amidst some layoffs. And, you know, I think I've myself been fired. I've been fired more times than I would like to admit, honestly. Um, but for me, and I think for a lot of people, getting fired or laid off is um, obviously it's very difficult financially. It's also, I think for many people, hugely difficult from a mental health perspective. And a lot of people, I think myself included, when they're in that situation, find themselves really kind of completely lacking motivation, feeling you know, extremely depressed, lethargic, all of these things that are really in some ways, you know, antithetical to, you know, the extra above and beyond motivation one kind of needs to really diversify their income in that way. Can you talk a little bit about the mental health aspect of the layoffs and how you sort of leveraged or overcame that to sort of flip it into, uh, to some extent, a financial positive? Oh yeah. So my, my layoff story is a little weird. So at the time I was working at a company under the Hudson Bay umbrella. So the Hudson Bay company is a Canadian company. Um, they own like Lauren Taylor, Saks Fifth Avenue, and all those fun little retailers. And I worked in like uh, their mobile engineering department for mobile applications and uh, mobile handheld store systems. And at the time they were basically transitioned, like they did kind of the slow layoff thing of like their entire IT department, everybody because they were outsourcing it to a company based out of India. And we were notified of our layoff. It's like one of those mass kind of virtual things that you hear a lot about. Um, and they said, you know, this is your period that you can work with us to transition your job. So, and they offered us a small bonus, which I was at also another blow to my mental health because it's like, okay, now you expect me to stay here and transition my job out to somebody else for a really low bonus amount of an extra 1500 bucks. So, but the good thing was, is I did have kind of like that, that time to plan, you know, I was planning for my last day because they did give us a couple of months. Um, so at the time I took my, at the time I was also like kind of playing around creatively online. I had gotten kind of obsessed with a couple of bloggers. And since I had the background of creating my own blogs via WordPress, since I had the experience of creating custom WordPress themes and entire built out websites for small businesses and political candidates, actually, I was playing around one day on WordPress. I love playing around with like WordPress themes that are already created to see what I could do with them. And then like creating my own kind of wireframes for them. Um, and I just like loved the entire content process, but I was never involved on that side. I was always involved on like the front end and the back end of the actual website and any kind of applications. So I was like, I love what these bloggers are doing and I wanna do something 
around this, but I didn't know what it was. I started with crafting, didn't know what that was either. Um, like I, I knew what it was, but I could not bring myself to write about what I was crafting. I, I rather, I just couldn't do it. Um, so I was playing around with a lot of like different writing styles. I really loved writing, but I hated writing in the sense that I need to write for like a search engine. Um, so at the time I was dealing with a lot of different, these mental health issues, like, okay, I'm not enough for this job that has now laid me off. I don't know what I'm going to do financially. I was already in like this mountain of debt that I wasn't really paying off that well anyway. I didn't know what I was going to do going forward. The student loan, um, the loan agents calling you all the time back in the day when they did do that, I guess, I don't know if they still do, but they would call me like every day. Um, and so I was fortunate though, that at the time, you know, my wife had a job at the same employer, by the way, and she was not laid off yet. She got laid off later down the line, but I did have, you know, that extra income in our household to fall back on. So that did give me some, I guess, you know, comfort, but I was very frantically worrying about what I was going to do next. Um, so, you know, applying to these jobs at the same time of, I was trying to build something creatively. I didn't know what it would become, um, but I just started pouring all my creative energy into it as I was trying to get another job. Um, so yeah, it was a weird time for me mentally. I remember like, you know, crying out in the backyard with the dogs being like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And I, I used to tie all my worth to work. So mm. I, like I, and it's so weird. Like all of the people I knew did that too. It, my, my life's completely different now, but yeah, it was a weird time. So you paid off quite a substantial amount of debt in large part through this diversification of income, as I mentioned. Can you walk us through a little bit how much debt you paid off and kind of more importantly, how you sort of found the right system or discipline to channel the money from these other streams of income towards that debt? Because I do think a lot of people struggle with, you know, they make more and therefore the lifestyle inflation kicks in, they're spending more, they're not able to sort of channel it to um, the more productive things. Right. Yeah. So I like, I had that lifestyle inflation kind of before I had gone through these layoffs where I was making enough money and I should have been paying off debt, but it just wasn't, I thought this, it was a thing that was just going to go away. Um, well, it wasn't, but I also don't have like the most perfect debt payoff story. I started paying off debt with my student loans first because of the urgency of them calling me all the time. I couldn't, I couldn't stand it. It was like this very weird negative trigger in my head. Every time I had to deal with any kind of student related loan thing. Um, I started doing that first and that's when I found out about like the debt avalanche method where you go ahead and you look through all of your loans, you know, sign into all the portals and see which ones have the highest interest rate. So the idea behind that is when you pay off loans with the highest interest rate first, you're actually, you know, you're paying off less money over time because you don't have to pay like, cause over time, those interest rates will continue, you know, to kind of accrue and the larger they are, the more that you're paying. So in line with that, we also had credit card debt. So when I did find out about the avalanche and F method and then thinking about that and watching it myself and the portal get bigger, we did credit card first. So we pivoted over to that and I went, you know, my minimums were in my student loans. So credit cards first, finish the student loans. While that was going on, we bought another car because sometimes you take on debt for a car, for a reliable car. So we took on debt for that. And then we recently just paid that off uh, beginning of this year. So overall total with the car is close to 50, but without the car is like uh, 40. Okay. Um, and in terms of, you know, you mentioned it used to be for you something that you were pretty avoidant about. I mean, obviously you were getting these calls, you were in a place where it just wasn't 
you know, either a priority or something you were really kind of ready to deal with head on. Like, how did you sort of switch into that mentality of like, I'm going to not just bring in more money, but I'm going to put that money towards this stuff in a really um, targeted way? Yeah. So that didn't happen until after these layoffs. So with while the layoffs, because I had, so I got laid off first from Hudson Bay. I got a new job working with a government contracting company, fully remote office. It was actually a great company to work with, but then we had a change of administration and a lot of veteran affair office projects were cut, including my project. So I was laid off again. And when this was happening, I started to feel the effects of the debt just through calls, through letters in the mail a lot. And I was feeling a lot of pressure. And I also started to get into more kind of personal finance media online, looking for answers of what to do. Um, and that's when I actually, you know, kind of got my head in gear, but it wasn't like a, it wasn't a consistent way. Like I didn't sit down and create this plan. Like I need to pay off all this debt. I tried to, um, but I, I struggle with, uh, so ADD for one, I'm I also am bipolar. I have some mood issues. It's really hard for me to stay on track, especially towards financial goals. Um, so I would like be really good about paying it off, you know, and then another month would come where it's like, okay, I want to just plan for this vacation. I don't know if I should pay off, you know, put the money towards debt or like, let's plan a vacation. I'd be like, okay, screw that for this month. I want to go on this vacation. You know, it it took a little bit longer to pay it off, you know, like an extra couple of months, but that wasn't a really big deal. At the beginning, I would stress out about that stuff and be like, no, I want to get done by this day. So I can do this and do this, you know, like all the goals kind of lining up in a roadmap kind of thing. And that's not how life works. Um, And I realized, especially when people start talking about this online, like you don't need to like, pay your debt off in this perfect way, you know, don't forget about the life you're living. You know, your life isn't completely about all this money and all this debt. Yeah, you'll get there. Um, But at the beginning, I was really stressed out about it. But at the same time, you know, kind of like the combination of the stressing out and trying to stay balanced through it, I think is what got me there. You mentioned um, that you have ADD. um, And a lot of our audience will, especially when it comes to the sort of financial habits or activities that take quite a lot of discipline, consistency, time management, like all of this stuff. They're like, okay, but like my brain doesn't work like this. I really feel like it's inaccessible to me. Can you talk about how you sort of hit all those factors that is necessary for robust side hustling in terms of, again, time management, um, you know, motivation, consistency, et cetera, punctuality, um, organization, how you sort of mastered those things to the extent that you have while doing it with ADD? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. This is a long work in progress, I think. So with that, you know, side hustling while you have ADD is extremely hard, especially, you know, this is your free time you're giving up. Like if you go to a day job or you have a day job or any other job, you know, side hustlers may have other several side hustles that support them. Um, it's hard to manage your schedule. I needed everything to basically have like a, a meeting appointment. So I would make like own meeting appointments for myself, which is like time blocking. It's a simple idea we, we hear a lot about, but actually like getting yourself to do it is hard. Um, so just like basically forcing myself, but I had to make memos for me to make a meeting invite and make sure it, it, um, alerts me at a certain time and to, to get it done. Coworking has been really a huge help for me. Um, I started using a app. This is what's only recently, by the way, it's called Focusmate. But before that, you know, I also co-work with a couple of colleagues online. 
um, as well as my friends, you know, co-working got big definitely during the pandemic because we were all kind of stuck in our own silos. So co-working became big. Um, but before that, before it was really called like co-working or that kind of word, I guess, came about, I guess another word for it is body doubling. Um, yeah, we would get on Zoom chats um, and kind of just like do the work that we need to do. I really need that accountability sometimes or I'll put it, put it off to the last minute. Um, so time blocking, co-working, having some sort of central place for your organization for everything is key. And this is also something we just started doing thanks to this amazing virtual assistant that I've hired. She, her and I have worked together to set up our own workspace in Notion. So everything that is a side hustle of mine is in Notion. And that's that's pretty cool, except you know, when you're getting started, having ADD and setting up Notion is a huge feat. So look into Notion templates. We used everything from a Notion template and it was perfectly fine. Um, so I need to set up actual systems of organization and really force myself. So that's like making memos, like sticky notes on mirrors. I put memos on my phone, on my background. Um, but then I'll even, you know, get to a meeting that I set up for myself to do something and be like, oh, I'll move this to the next day. So I really, I have to have like a lot of mental talk with myself, which is stuff I've only learned in therapy before that it was, it was a huge struggle. Um, and I, I do, I'm not on any ADD medication at this time either. I used to be on it in high school and college, but with my specific, I guess, state of my mental health, it wasn't the best option for me. So I, I don't take it now. Um, just for a sense of scale for our audience, can you just break down? I'm sure it obviously probably fluctuates and has fluctuated, but um, what your work schedule is like with regards to full-time and then side hustles, how many you have going at a given time, how many hours that represents, just like, what are we working with? Oh yeah. So my full-time job is from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. every day. Um, besides Fridays, we get off pretty early. The company I work for is like trying to test out a four day work week, which is great. Yay. Snaps for four day work week. Cause I know financial diet has it too. <laughs> Holly snapping too off screen. <laughs> um, so that is like a great perk that I have a very flexible position for my full-time day job. Um, it's hundred percent remote. You know, we have those kind of four day work weeks. Um, the, my boss is amazing. I don't know why I, I don't know how I played it like a really good boss, but like the fact that my job kind of supports this is a huge um, kind of factor. I think that people don't really talk about this, but like when you work a job, you have to go to every day, five days a week, 40 hours a week, you're commuting. Also, you probably have family commitments, other commitments. It's, it's hard to fit in a side hustle. So I will say it's front that I'm a remote worker. I don't work really like a full week. I have a very flexible position. Um, outside of that, I work about 10 hours a week on my side hustles. And I say side hustles, I really just mean one. And that's, I like to dabble. Everything kind of runs, kind of comes underneath it. Um, even with my freelance writing, all the freelance opportunities I've gotten is because of, I like to dabble and other income streams is a kind of what I call them because people will always reference like, Oh, you're nine side hustles or whatever. How many side hustles you have? It's like, well, I don't do all these separate things. Um, I'm doing everything it's for the blog for, I like to dabble, but I also write for other publications, but they always refer back to me as, you know, Danielle from I like to dabble, um, from on, I like to dabble itself. The way we bring in income is from ads served on the website from Mediavine, um, affiliate income, of course, sponsorships, um, creating digital products, workshops and webinars. I do some coaching and consults, um, but that isn't something that's like widely offered just because of the limit of my time. Um, so that's how it, it's like, it's kind of like this network of side hustles under this, I guess a brand is what you want to call it. For someone who is, wants to start doing this, let's say maybe they are a person who has that 
full-time job that takes up more of their time. Um, but they definitely know, like, I want to diversify my income at least a little bit um, for various reasons. And I think, and something that we've talked about before on TFD is that it's very important to um, be able not just to have, you know, more of that kind of control over your income, having, you know, various sort of flows of, of revenue that you can ramp up or down. It, it is, you know, especially in a time where people are laid off with basically no severance for no reason at any time, you know, it is it is a good protector. But it also, I think for many people, um, does increase that sense of control and autonomy over, you know, their professional life and also allows them to kind of tap in and develop other skills. Um, but so for whatever the reasons it might be, if you have someone who's looking to do this, doesn't have a ton of time and is just sort of asking themselves, well, where do I start? Which job should I get? What would be your sort of very initial advice to them? Oh, this is a great question. So for the folks that don't have a lot of time, first look at your current week or next couple of weeks and see, basically highlight the windows that you know you don't have any commitments because you don't want to be sacrificing any part of your personal life starting out because that'll just kind of lead you right to burnout. Um, so first highlight the windows of time that you know you have time during the week um, and add them up. And then go ahead and try to identify any skills that you have that might be able to transfer into a side hustle. I know when I say this, it sounds kind of daunting. It is like, as much as we try, most of us will not give ourselves enough credit for the skills that we have. And I hear this a lot from people where they're like, I don't have any skills. And it's like, yes, you do. Skills are not just professional skills. Think about the other skill. Like, what do you love to do in your life? Do you garden? That's a skill. Are you really good at like elderly pet care? That's a skill. Or cooking, that's a skill. You know, I mean, writing is a skill and that's not something I ever used professionally, but now I make money with it, which is kind of mind blowing. Um, so I, I also have like this free quiz on my website that kind of helps folks do some of this and uh, send, send them to like free resources to kind of get started. But freelancing is a great place to start with. You know, it's not gonna be your, like the passive income fantasies you read about online. Um, starting out with a side hustle, absolutely start with active income because eventually might lead to opportunities of like semi-passive income and stuff like that. Um, but starting out, you know, look into active income, like freelancing, maybe using the same skills you look, you use at work, but the skills that you actually enjoy using at work, don't use, don't do something that'll burn you out even more within your current career. Um, so like something that I did with my own career, and it's something I never thought I would do either was when I was doing freelance web development, and I was starting the blog and I wanted to get more writing experience. I actually reached out to a couple of programming blogs that I myself followed. And I also enjoyed like their design on these websites. Um, and they were looking for technical writers, but freelance and they weren't paying that well, but I needed to get more experience writing for like just writing online um, specifically at the time. So I reached out to a couple of blogs and I did freelance writing, but it wasn't like Freelance writing for a blog, like in a blog sense, like if you go to my blog and you read some of the articles and they're kind of like informational, it was more like a technical writing. There might be like some syntax involved. It was like more of those articles that you go and look up online if you're a developer or something and you're looking for a tip on how to like fix some syntax issue or something like that. It's like that kind of technical writing. It's not that enjoyable. It's not that fun. But, you know, it's something that I never thought I would be doing. I never thought that I could do it, even though I was doing a lot of like documentation type of stuff at my job for every kind of code I had to write. You had to do a lot of documentation um, for all the applications we developed. We did so much documentation and I didn't know it's like, oh, people actually get paid on a freelance basis to do the same kind of documentation, but for like big programming blogs. 
Um, so at the same time, that gave me some of this experience to build my own blog. So that was like, you know, just something to think about. Maybe there's a skill that you're using at your job that you love to do. And you want to kind of take that outside of your job in a freelance way. And maybe you'll find how it could evolve into something else. It's time for a break. And this is technically an ad break, but our partners at Calm want you to focus on yourself for a moment. Take a deep breath and let it out. Relax wherever you're holding your tension. It's important to tune in and recenter, and Calm can help. With that said, we're excited to be partnering with Calm, the number one mental wellness app to give you the tools that improve the way you feel. Reduce stress and anxiety through guided meditations, improve focus with curated music tracks, and rest and recharge with Calm's imaginative sleep stories for children and adults. There's even new daily movement sessions designed to relax your body and uplift your mind. As some of you may know, I am myself a bit of an ASMR queen, and I love listening to that kind of stuff to help me go to sleep. And Calm has an enormous catalog of all kinds of really amazing kind of like bedtime stories and relaxing sounds and things that help me drift off into that dreamless slumber. Calm is offering you an exclusive offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash TFC. Go to calm.com slash TFC for 40% off and unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash TFC. Uh, okay, so you guys sent in quite a few questions for Daniela, so we're going to go through a few. Uh, how do you not waste a lot of time or effort on a side hustle if it's not working very well? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so how you know, don't waste time is you wouldn't really know until after you wasted the time. <laughs> so <laughs> unfortunately, that's like, Okay, so if you're starting a new side hustle, you've never done this before. You don't know if it's going to be a huge waste of time. Maybe go on to, if you have like a couple of people you follow on Twitter that maybe talk about side hustles or like a message board on Reddit or some kind of group on Facebook. I know a lot of people are on different finance groups on Facebook. Um, I myself are in a couple of them. You could kind of pose that question there. Like if it's a specific side hustle you're looking into and you're like, I don't know if this is a waste of time. Talk to other people. Maybe they've tried it. Um, if no one has, you can try it out see if it's a waste of your time. Um, and if it is like, if you feel like you are doing way too much work for the pay, it is probably a waste of time. That is fair to say. Okay. So a lot of people are asking about taxes and how do you not get screwed over? Like how do you deal with taxes basically? Oh, okay. So I'm not like an accountant or CPA, but from what my CPA has told me and guided me to do. Um, so with taxes, I am an LO. Well, I like to dabble as an LLC. We pay uh, self-employment taxes every quarter. And last year I could not for the life of me figure out how to do the self-employment taxes, like in a way that it made sense because you had to do it in this way where like they had to be the same amount each quarter. And I was like, well, what if it, my income goes up? How's the, and it was like my CPA who like couldn't even like explain it to me either in a way that I could understand. But she said, she's like, okay, if you don't, I had a problem with manually paying them every quarter just because I hated to do the whole manual thing. And she said, if you want to not have to do that, you can opt with your job to do extra withholding, which I did. Um, but this year we are exploring maybe doing an S corp so I can save on taxes. So that's just from my point of view, being an LLC, kind of moving into S corp so I can save on taxes. Okay. How do people pick how much time they should devote to a side hustle or side hustling in general? Like even just like as a percentage of time. Oh, I don't think I've ever actually thought about the percentage of time, but I probably should. So when I started, I did not do it in a healthy way. I basically, you know, poured in all of my night time into anything I could learn about building a blog. 
um, and how the business side of that works. So when I started, I was pouring way too much of my time and energy into it. And I burned out a lot at the beginning um, and had a really slow start to things. And I still have a problem with burnout now. Um, but I had to work really close with a therapist to actually get to like a good way of working. Um, so how you should do it, like starting out is, you know, I did kind of give the tip earlier of like looking at the free time that you have every week, that's actually free, that you're not committed to doing something else. And that's including your, your activities in your home. Because I mean, if you're with your family and you have things that like a ritual thing that you do, don't skip on that, skip out on that either, but maybe like starting out something like 10% of your, of your time, um, or, you know, 10% of maybe what you want to be doing with your working time. Don't think about it as like your overall time too, because I think we have, this is something I experienced in the beginning of my side hustles was the boundaries of work for me morphed in this weird way where it's like, I thought that I'm only needed to do work during working hours. And you work, when you work as like an online content creator, you will notice very quickly that people need all of your time. <laughs> they will DM you, message you, email you, whatever. They will reach out to you in any way possible to get you basically like your energy to do something for them. Um, because there's like really no boundaries there when, you know, they can and can't do that. Um, so I found a lot of resentment starting out being like, why are you asking me this? Why are you reaching out to me? Like, this isn't like, I'm not, I don't get paid to talk to you. I'm not, you know, and then I had to really think about it. I was like, okay, um, I need to, to be more kind of upfront with my own boundaries than with this stuff, because even though it's not my job, this is still work. And I need to be a little bit more upfront about that. So as you're doing it, be, you know, set clear boundaries with yourself and with others that might not be comfortable especially when they push back on those boundaries um, or they just choose not to, to respect them. You know, you're, you have every right and your power to be like, if they don't respect them, who cares? Or your boundaries still hold them up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like listen to your body um, and, you know, just kind of feel your way through it starting out, start slow, don't go guns blazing. Um, and I think you'll, you'll get to a good spot. For context for myself, cause I got a little, little side hustle brewing these days. Uh, I won't, you won't know what it is until it's done though, because I move in silence like lasagna, as uh, Lil Wayne once said famously. <laughs> um, uh, but I work 32 hours a week at my full time gig, and then I dedicate about 15 hours a week to it. Um, so, you know, I mean, that brings me to what, 57 hours? No, 47 hours a week. 47 hours a week. Yeah. So, I mean, pretty good. Yeah. It's like pretty good. And I feel like, at least for me, it, from my own experience, especially because like back when we were starting TFD and it was like a nonstop 24 hour a day affair, like I think once you're starting to get up, no matter whether it's just your primary job or like a combination of jobs, once you start getting past the like 55 hours a week, that's when you're like heading like for a straight to burnout in my experience. Oh yeah. Like when your head just like stops thinking, like you're trying to think and you're like, you can't just, that's when you stop. <laughs> exactly. And also, I mean, I don't know. I feel like people need to take the sort of entire concept of burnout more seriously in the sense that like you can push yourself crazy hard, but not for very long, you know, and eventually it will catch up to you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So Something that is just like sort of a more philosophical question, but it is one that we get a lot. Um, how do you avoid falling into the trap of feeling the need to like monetize everything you do? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, something I was talking to my therapist the other day um, where it's like, I we were talking about how it's like, I feel like I needed to monetize basically any idea I had about I like to dabble or any kind of creative idea I had that I wanted to do at all. Um, and I have this 
I had this issue with painting for a while. So painting is a huge hobby. Um, I'm a self-taught painter. Let me say that again. I'm a self-taught painter. Um, and I, after college, I got into this cool little gig where I would go and sell my paintings at festivals, um, like little farmer's market things, maybe like low underground kind of uh, like club level kind of concert shows and bring finished paintings with me and people would come and purchase them from me. And it was so fun. I also got a bunch of free admission to a lot of local bands in the St. Louis area at the time. Um, and I did not like it after a while. I was like, I don't like writing. I mean, not writing. I don't like painting for the outcome to sell it. I like to paint like from my own like creative expression, just kind of go with it. I'm very abstract and like surreal painter. Um, and then when people started reaching out to me for commissions and I tried that, that's when I was like, I can't do this. Mm -mm. I cannot be forced to paint something. Um, and then recently I was, you know, I kind of felt the same thing where it's like, oh, I don't need to be gauntizing everything. And it's like, comes from this feeling of like not being enough maybe, or like in the past, I've had this instability with finances that I feel like, oh, I need to take every opportunity now going forward to monetize absolutely everything to, you know, make this financial foundation bulletproof and oh my God, like a, like a recession's coming. Oh my God, diversify more. And it's like, okay, hold on. <laughs> hold on. Like what actually matters to me? You know, what? what do I want to be spending my time on? I also have to think about like the future of this thing that I'm monetizing. Like, will this take a huge chunk of my time and commitment coming up to in the future? Um, so think about, are these things that you really want to be spending your time on? Um, are they sustainable going forward? Maybe can you also pivot them to be like possibly semi-passive? I say semi-passive because a lot of things online are not passive income. Um, so, you know, like, are they, could you, you think that they're semi-passive and you can maybe offload some of it in the future too, to like outsourcing or just at the will of online systems, you know? Um, you just kind of think of it more holistically when an idea like that pops in your brain. Um, take notice of it, really think on it, um, and then ask yourself if it's like, if it's really worth doing that, or um, would you rather give yourself like that, just like that creative satisfaction instead? Okay, someone is asking, how do you make yourself competitive in oversaturated markets and platforms like Fiverr or Upwork? So Fiverr and Upwork are two platforms you could absolutely start on, but you don't have to start on them. There is a lot of oversaturation there. Um, it does take longer to kind of get ramped up on them. You have to take the time, you know, create your profile. And then, you know, once you create it, you probably have to go back and then re-edit a bunch of stuff. Um, I am not the biggest fans of Fiverr and Upwork, also because like you have to do, you do have to pay service fees to them. It takes a lot of extra admin work on your side. Um, I started, you know, all of my freelancing has started from, weirdly enough, like my internal network, but writing was, you know, because of the blog, absolutely. But also Twitter, Twitter is this huge untapped resource for finding like a network of people to reach out to for gigs or just like needing work. Um, look around at small businesses that you already love and go to online or like platforms that you love to visit online and maybe look to see if they're hiring for any freelancing positions or, you know, check out their social medias to see if they are hiring or posting about it. Um, there's a couple also like great Twitter accounts that will post like freelance writing and editing and proofreading jobs. Um, and they're probably your equivalents out there for like design and other things as well. Because um, on Fiverr and Upwork is really hard to stand out and it takes a lot of time to get started. And I just think it discourages people more than it helps them. Pew, 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 pew. The time has come. <laughs> I don't know why today it was like space guns, but sometimes it's like, it is time for our rapid fire questions here at TFC. Now, Daniela, feel free to sort of 
take these, pass these. It's just whatever kind of comes to mind. Um, and we're going to try and shape these a little bit around the idea of side hustling because obviously, you know, we do we do speak to a fair amount of people who are in the personal finance space, but not as many who specialize in this area. So I'd love to get like this specific take. Um, what is the big financial secret of your industry? And for your industry, can we say maybe the big financial secret of side hustling? Hmm. Big financial secret of side hustling is, I guess, where you see competition, look for community instead. Um, especially mm. like online content creation, freelancing, all those people that you think might be your competition are actually probably going to be your ticket to your next gig. I love that. I think that's such an underrated piece of advice for basically any industry. I feel like people are way too often focused on, and it's generally true that especially in more niche areas, another person doing well generally will raise the demand for that space overall, like rising tides, all boats. Um, what do you invest in versus what are you cheap about? Ooh, I invest in like traveling, um, food, um, obviously the stock market, I guess. <laughs> um, and what do I, what do you say? What was the second one? What are you cheap about? Oh, what am I cheap about? Okay. I am cheap about one. Well, I'm, I'm cheap about clothes, which I didn't used to be, but it's because of, I guess, just kind of where I'm going right now through my gender identity. I feel like I need to be cheap about clothes. Um, just because like I've, I've, my wardrobe is starting to become this very strange mixed batch of things. Um, and I'm also trying to downsize at the same time. So I, I don't really splurge much on clothes, um, like home decor stuff. We don't really splurge on, obviously if it's furniture, we do, um, because good furniture is good, is great furniture. Uh, but like other stuff, we like to like make it, I guess, um, unless it's something that I really, you know, want or love or the brand I love or something. Um, but yeah. Are there any things that you really invest in when it comes to side hustling? Yes, I love investing in software that makes my my job like a million times easier. So obviously like email marketing, definitely invest in that. Um, I invest in like scheduling software for social media. Um, I invest in contractors to help me get the job done because I could not do it all on my own. I don't know how people run anything online by themselves. Um, would you mind dropping a few of your favorites? Oh yeah, so... So we use ConvertKit for email marketing. Same. Currently. Yay, ConvertKit. Um, so for scheduling, Buffer, for, um, well, content management is Notion, but it's free. And WordPress for content management, which is also free. It's just the hosting is what costs you for your website. <laughs> and other ones are Webinar Jam. I do love Webinar Jam, even though it is a little pricey. It does make the systems for like, redistributing old webinars, really great. Um, for courses, I use Teachable and uh, Canva, of course, Canva for everything. <laughs> like if I need to create something like design wise, I'm using Canva. I love that. Those are a lot of really good recommendations. Uh, we use many of them and you're welcome to come and give us ad dollars. Um, what has been your best investment and why? Oh, my best investment is the VA I currently work with. Yeah, so she's, a, she's the only VA right now that I work with. Um, and she helps me 10 hours a week for everything for I like to dabble that's Instagram or Pinterest. Um, I don't like Instagram. I'm not like a big Instagram lover, so I needed somebody to help me with that. 
when I hired her on about a year and a half ago, she started doing Instagram and then she went and took over all my Pinterest for me too. Um, now I don't really have to do anything social media related besides TikTok and Twitter, which I really don't care about doing anyway, because those are fun. I love that. Also, I realize now you mean virtual assistant for a second. I was like, veterans oh, sorry, affairs? Yeah, virtual oh my goodness. I can't believe. I usually say like the whole acronym out, but. Um, what has been your biggest money mistake and why? Oh my goodness. My biggest money mistake. I have a couple. Um, I did fall scam to a consolidated loan scam um, when I was trying oh, no. to pay off my loans and I had to pay an extra $8,000 that I did not <gasps> realize I was going to have to pay. <laughs> This is something I often forget about too because I've kind of pushed it in the back of my mind. Oh my gosh. Well, we're talking about that. We talked about that in a recent video, but that is crazy. Yeah, I would say that's got to be up there with biggest financial mistakes. Out of curiosity, how did they get you? They got me as, um, so they present themselves as like the Department of Education. And they even had like, so their company was one file, one, the letter one and file, one file. I think is what it was or something like to that effect. And they, they worked with like the department of education. They said they were like contracting with them and they were like, it was on the website and stuff, but they made me pay like all these fees to consolidate my loans. And it totaled up to $8,000 once everything was done. And I was like, why am I paying 8,000 extra dollars to consolidate my loans? And then I read about online how people were basically falling scan to this. They kept calling me every day, countless times a day. And I answered just to basically get them to stop calling me, but then they broke me in at the time. I was very naive about it. Um, yeah, I was just, I have no excuses besides like I fell for it. Damn. Well, we'll link you guys to the video on how not to do that specifically because we recently talked about it. Um, what is your biggest current money insecurity? Well, my biggest current money insecurity is a uh, healthcare. Like I, like the amount of money that we are increasingly spending on healthcare every week, every year. And so I guess I'll give you some backstory here. So I am currently planning on transitioning from my job to doing, you know, running my business full time. Mm -hmm. And with that, I will be losing all of my healthcare benefits that come through that job. And they do have really great negotiating power that we only pay $300 a month. Our deductible is almost met, you know, it's like, and I'm going to be transitioning now. And at the time, which this is actually kind of working out for it just now, but like the insurance that had that my wife's company had for her because she's out of state of like, they have a lower rate for people in New York, but since she was out of state of New York, we live in Washington and she's a remote worker. The premium for both of us for medical, dental, and vision is more than our mortgage over $1,500, <gasps> what we would have to pay monthly when I switch. That's my biggest money security right now. is like just the entire cost of healthcare, but this is great news. Knock on wood. She just started talking to this company though. Um, so she's a contractor for them. They're bringing her on full-time, meaning that she'll get the benefits for that company instead of this contracting company. So it might work out in our favor, but either way, our healthcare and healthcare costs will be increasing. And I just see it like as this trend year over year, everything goes off with, everything goes up with healthcare costs. And it's just like this ticking time bomb <laughs> because we, we do spend a lot of money on healthcare, the both of us. So that's just like the biggest category of insecurity for us for costs. That is real. That is real. Um, what has been the financial habit that has helped you the most? Oh, um, financial habit. Well, like talking to my wife with budgeting. So like when we first started budgeting, it was really hard for us to kind of get on the same page and actually talk about it because it was like the stressful thing and we don't like to budget. Um, we don't like doing like 
every line item kind of budget to like, okay, you know, basically document everything I'm spending on and put it in a spreadsheet so we can see all of it. It's like, okay, that would just kill my spirit every time and it killed hers too. So we started like once a month, we have this shared spreadsheet. We kind of like put in stuff when we feel like it. And then we compare it with the one, like what the bank. So we have a credit union that we're a part of and they have in their portal kind of a breakdown of what everything you spent money on and what categories it goes to. And you can change the categories yourself. So we'll go and like do kind of our laid back shared spreadsheet thing with each other each month. It doesn't go the best way, but we'll go back into our credit, um, into the report in the credit unions portal. And we'll be, we'll be able to see kind of their like how everything panned out, but it's become like this fun exercise. Um, it's not been the best habit where we can like stay on track every month with it, but it's at kind of introduced like this new way of communicating with each other about it and making it fun and making it like a learning experience for both of us. Cause there's no one right way to budget. You don't have to be like really strictful, like strictful. You have to be really strict with it. Um, you like, you gotta like get to know you and your spending style and what really matters to you. Um, yeah, I guess that's kind of what the new habit has been for us. Out of curiosity, are there any financial habits that really help you specifically with side hustling? With side hustling? Hmm. I mean, using QuickBooks like religiously has really helped me, you know, if I know not everybody wants to spend money like on QuickBooks, but it is a great tool to use to make sure that you have like all your business finances in check. Um, and then my yes. accountant is like also synced in on the system. So I can easily like ask her questions and stuff. I love that. Yeah. We were on Quick QuickBooks for a very long time. We're on Gusto now, but QuickBooks is fantastic. We had a great time with it. Last question is when did you first feel successful and what does that word mean to you? Oh, I have like such a problem with this word because it's like, so I come from a family that's very traditional, I guess, in their work. So my dad immigrated here from Venezuela when he was 18. It was a very big tradition in Venezuela to send like the male kids to America to get a job and, you know, kind of start a life there and stuff. Um, so my job, so my dad came here, he started out like in help desk and he worked his way up as an architect. Um, you know, my mom was a nurse. They both believe that there is kind of like one way to, to like be successful. Like you have to graduate college, get a corporate job and basically, you know, like the quote unquote American dream, like settle down and yada, yada, yada. That was never anything I ever wanted to do. Um, and now as I'm transitioning away from this career that I'm kind of like, also like I'm completely leaving this career and it's something new. Um, it's really hard to navigate what success feel is what success means to me when I was growing up with this really narrow form of success. Um, and still now my parents are like, why are you quitting your job at the same time that they will text me and congratulate me that they saw me in a business insider article. And it's like, what do you want from me? <laughs> I am very like much struggling with like, you know, kind of like previous identity, previous life stuff, and like kind of going on this new chapter of my life. Um, success used to mean to me some sort of professional success, but now it means like life success. Like, am I happy of the life that I'm living of the, the way I'm spending my days and who I'm spending them with? Do I, am I living in the moment? That's like, that's what success is. Uh, that is what success is to me, being able to live in the moment happily. What a perfect note to end on. Daniela, thank you so much for being here. Where can people go to find more of what you do? Yeah, you can go and find me on ilikedodabble.com or I like to dabble everywhere on social media. I love it. Well, hopefully this has been inspiring for all of you guys and your respective journeys with diversifying your income and side hustling, something that I've done basically all my life and I'm getting back into again. And it's feels good, man. I have to be honest. It feels good. Um, thank you guys, as always, for tuning into the Financial Confessions. I will see you back here next Monday for an all new episode.
Bye, guys. Mm-hmm.